Welcome back to Two Idiots, One Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Bailey. And I just wanted to say that I had a very fun time, before we start this, um, at SCG Con Dallas, Fort Worth. Technically Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah, the uh, the Magic the Gathering children's card game convention that I played in. Oh, that sounds really fun. It was not. Just kidding, it was. Um, yeah, it was really fun. I didn't win any money. Well, that, that's because you got to get good, bud. Oh, I definitely need to get good, and I need to buy more expensive decks is the problem. I understand that. Did you uh, have meet any interesting people, have any have any fun games? Oh, uh, yeah. The uh, the very first game that I played um, before it started, because you have to, like, sit there and, you know, shuffle and make sure, you know, you know, who's going first and whatnot, and then they tell you over the intercom, now you can begin. So they were having some issues, so we sat there and we're talking, and I was, I was talking to this dude, a very interesting guy. He was from Virginia. Um, and he said that he had a manor up there and invited me to come out to his manor. A manor. That's an interesting choice of word. Yeah, I don't know why he said it. It was like he was trying to be secretive about what was going on up there or something. He kind of gave me weird vibes. Like, uh, Man, it almost sounds like, I don't know. That sounds kind of familiar. Well, he also showed me pictures of guns that he had and like these these hunting trips that he took, you know. Hmm. So, a manor and hunting trips. Why does that sound so familiar, Taylor? Uh, well, it probably sounds familiar because it's called Manorgate. Oh, man. Manorgate? Manorgate. You I can't trust you. those elites, bro. Fuck no, you can't. I think that he was part of it, too. Just <laughs> like in the movie that we're talking about today, The Hunt. That's a solid movie. I'm I excited so. to talk to you guys about this today. This movie is very politically charged i do just want to say that but we will keep our political opinions out and make fun of both sides equally just like this movie absolutely so i think um a summary is in order would you like to give the summary so the basic overview of this movie if you haven't seen it which i'm assuming everyone has is this individual or these group of individuals are accused of something and because they're accused of it they feel the need to you know enact it so what they do is they kidnap all of these people and then they essentially plan to kill them and that's basically the movie and it's one of those uh hunted's journey to become the hunter I mean, the way that I would describe it, if I was given the summary for it, would be rich people kidnap poor people and then go at them with guns. I mean, yeah, that is definitely a perspective. It could also be like, you know, Bambi, but <laughs> I don't know. I think like Bambi would be too. But yeah, it's a, it's a good movie, I thought. Yeah, I enjoyed this movie very thoroughly. If you would um, be so kind as to tell me how much you enjoyed it on the Roger Ebert scale. So on the Roger Ebert scale, I'd give this bad boy probably about a 3.5 or a 4. It would have been closer to a 4.5 the first time I watched it. But on second viewings, with knowledge of how it ends and everything, I found it to be slightly less enjoyable, which has lowered my overall scale. So I think I'm going to rate it the same, whether... I watched it the first time or the second time or the third time because I really do love this movie, but I think it is a 4 out of 5. Like, very solid. Maybe a 4.5 out of 5, but I would say 4 out of 5. Very solid movie. Um, I haven't watched it yet and been like, I don't ever want to watch this again. Oh, yeah, no. That's definitely not the the feeling I had. Like, 
I rewatched it for the second time for this podcast and I thought it was pretty solid the whole time. Like even the issues I had were like few and far between, but just the knowledge of how it was going to end, it made some of the jokes better, but it made some of the jokes uh, less impactful. It just made it not feel as good in parts. So I, I do agree to a certain extent. I think that most of the jokes are still super solid. Um, whether you've heard them the first time or the second time, I think that they're just funny. Absolutely. Which this is a very dark satire comedy. Absolutely. And it po- like uh, like Taylor mentioned earlier, it pokes sides at both sides of or it pokes fun at both sides of the political spectrum, which I think we need more of. If it had been, you know, just um, the Democrats are bad and the Republicans are the good guy, um, that would have been a little, you know, I don't think it would have been as well received. I think people would have really hated it, but it did the the South Park approach is what I will call it, where it just makes fun of both sides equally, which is the way satire should be. Exactly. It's uh, always choosing between a giant douche and a turd sandwich. Exactly. And you obviously want the giant douche. I'm more of a turd sandwich guy myself. You're wrong, but that's okay. So uh, you want to just run through it real quick? There's actually not very much to talk about, but we will 100% talk about the kills. Absolutely. The kills were by far my favorite part of this movie. Um, Just going off of it, like, do you want to go ahead and talk about our favorite kills? Uh, You know, let's let's just go in order. With, with the kills, and then we'll get to the favorite. We'll, we'll say, like, these are our favorite kills. Um, because the first kill out of the gate comes at, like, five minutes or something into the movie. Yeah, almost immediately after the opening scene. Where this guy, like, stumbles out of this plane, and the dude's like, don't worry, I'm a doctor, grab towels, get some towels. And then he lays them down and goes, does anybody have a pen? And the stewardess, you know gives him a pen and then he just says all right you're gonna be okay now and then just jams it into his throat immediately right but that didn't kill him did it taylor oh no it didn't but what it started because then he grabs like a champagne bottle and breaks it and just starts swinging it and then um hillary swank i think is her name which you only see from behind for like a majority of this movie comes out and grabs her high heel and then says hey buddy and he turns around and she jams it right into his fucking eye it was a it was honestly a very beautiful kill it really was um they didn't use like a copious amount of like practical effects and stuff so it didn't look as cool as it could have but it was still like just conceptually really fun for me i i did think that they could have done better which i think they do better um, after that, when everybody wakes up and, you know, you see Emma Roberts doing her thing, I don't know why it focused on her, but they're all bound and gagged and then they get together and they find this box, which if you find a box crate thing in the middle of a like open wilderness area and you don't know how you got there, why would you open it? I would have probably opened it like in the group of people that just like immediately died. I would have probably been in that group. Speaking of the people that immediately died, oh, buddy. So they open up this box, and it's a they the, a pig runs out that they name. I don't remember what they named him. Um, like, it was something from Animal Farm. Yeah. Uh, was It wasn't Snowball. It was... Um, no, it was like or- Orville Redenbacher. Yeah, I mean, 
I think that's a popcorn guy. Oh yeah. But I'm I honestly don't remember off the top of my head what the name was. But anyway, this this pig runs out and then they reach in and they grab um like they pull out this like tray of every single assault rifle you can possibly think of. I think one dude even comments like, Ooh, Uzis. <laughs> and then the funniest thing is when the old dude hands the the, uh, the revolver to Emma Roberts and she goes, I don't know how to use this. He goes, well, you can do this and makes like a, uh, like a pulling motion with his finger, like a come here motion. She was like, yeah, he's like, all right, then you can shoot it. And then, and then all of a sudden gunfire, which comes out of nowhere. And one of the other dudes, and then Emma Roberts makes this really funny thing with, I almost got hit, and then her head just fucking explodes. It was honestly beautiful. And then he, like, freaks out and realizes that this is real. Um, One dude with, like, a Kimbo M16s or whatever just says, you know, fuck all this, and runs straight towards where the guns are firing from, just like, like Rambo, and he gets mowed down, which wasn't really enjoyable. It was pretty funny. It was super funny though. Got lit up, son. But the uh, the best one is when the, I I think she's from Saturday Night Live. I can't remember her name. She is a very familiar actress. All of the people who died at the beginning, super are super familiar. Super familiar. I, mean, I just don't remember what her name is. No, is I she... don't know off the top of my head. Well, she runs away and then just disappears, and you have the dude looking at her and he's like, uh oh. So well, at this point. She disappears, but you hear her screaming. Yeah, you hear her screaming, and he's like, oh, oh, shit. So he's behind the crate, and he goes, all right, I got I to gotta do this. So he just, like, locks his gun loaded and just starts running towards her. And he's dodging bullets. Nothing hits him. And when he gets there, she's falling into a spike pit. And yeah. it is very obvious that she is not going to make it because it goes, like, straight through her chest. Right, but they, they play it off like she might. So she gets pulled out, and... You know, everything appears to be fine, and then she ends up back in the hole. Yeah, because he steps on a landmine accidentally and goes, oh, shit, and then they both blow up. She gets, like, half of her blown up, goes back into the spike pit, and then um, Ike B, I can't pronounce his last name, um, who's also a very funny dude, comes to her, and he's like, let me help you, and she says, no, just shoot me, and he goes, no, I'm not going to do that, and she goes, well, give me the gun, you fucking snowflake. And then just offs herself. Honestly, one of the funniest lines in the movie, especially with knowledge of how it ends, Mm -hmm. because he wouldn't have been there if he was perceived as a snowflake. Right. It was just, that was funny. Yeah. But he sees that and freaks out and runs away. Um, And then a couple of them meet up in the woods, and he, like, turns around at this fence, tries to shoot this guy. He's like, I'm on your side. And then all of a sudden, they're climbing over the fence. The old guy is the only one left. And an arrow... Like, from bow and arrow, comes out of nowhere and doesn't hit him. But he's, like, freaking out. Everybody's like, come on, do it. And then the other one comes and pins him in his shoulder. And then another one goes through him. And he's like, fuck this. Grabs his gun and has this, like, forty-four magnum that he's just, you know, shooting everywhere in the woods. And then another arrow comes and gets him. He falls down. And then a grenade um, comes out of nowhere. And he's ready for impact, but it doesn't go off. And the uh, you hear these two voices off screen going, "Did you pull the pin?" Well, I thought I pulled the pin. I don't know. Throw another one. Pull pull the pin this time. So then a second grenade comes out and blows him up. And then you see the um, the three people running down the road. And Ike, uh, one of the girls says something like, "What was that?" And Ike says, "That 
<laughs> someone being blown the fuck up. <laughs> Every time he says that, I just die. Oh, yeah. No, it's beautiful. And then they find a gas station in the middle of nowhere. Um, and they basically hold up this old couple in the gas station. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it perceived that way. I mean, he literally is like, there's money in the register, just just take it. But that's not what's important here. What's important here is how they die in the gas station. Yeah, because after some intense conversation, the girl finds donuts. And, I mean, I guess her natural reaction is because I have a gun, I'm just going to steal your donuts. And then she starts, like, coughing and choking, and they're trying to figure out what's wrong with her. White foam starts coming out of her mouth. Because cyanide is a thing. Yeah. Exactly. And they're like, oh my god, you killed, you're, you're killing her. And then um, Ike turns around and just gets shotgun blasted by the old dude. Um, and then I don't remember what the, what the dude's name is. Uh, like the Tampa Bay guy. He says he's from Tampa. Yeah, well, so in this, everyone is named based on their location they're from. It's similar to like a Zombieland thing. Okay, so, so then Tampa over here just gets obliterated by the old woman. Yeah, and you, you realize that they're in on it. Um, they're dragging the bodies to the back and cleaning up, and all of a sudden you hear over the radio that Snowball's coming. Yep, which is another uh, Animal Farm character. Which you don't know who Snowball is, but then you see the girl from the very beginning um, that was immediately, you know, taking the pen out and using the directional compass in nature to figure out where to go and follow in the stream. So she comes in, and her funny moment is when she uh, she asks for cigarettes and then just casually reaches into her sock and says it's an emergency fund. Yeah, exactly. And then um, I'll, I'll let you do this one because you remember more than I do about the cigarettes. So she goes in to, and she buys the cigarettes from this old couple and the amount of change they give her because she hands them 20 and they give her 12 back and she asks, she's like, where are we? And they're like in Arkansas. And you can kind of see the stamp on the bottom of the cigarettes, which I'm not sure what it says, whether it said Arkansas or not. But her immediate statement is, you done fucked up, bitch. And then she shoots her because of the price of cigarettes. And then she also kills the husband of the Ma and Pa owners of this, you know, alleged shop. And honestly, it was amazing. She kills both of them. I mean, like, you done fucked up, bitch. Oh. If you see any clip from this movie, that's the clip to watch. Yeah, that is by far, like, one of my favorite lines. It was so funny. It was delivered perfectly. And her facial expressions are just... On point. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, So then after that, she meets up with Gary, who is the really... he's He's the really big fat guy that used to be, like, super fat, but then got really skinny, you know? I remember what his actual name is. I love the dude. The first time I saw him was in um, Remember the Titans. He was also in uh, Butterfly Effect and My Name is Earl. His oh, yeah. name is Ethan. Oh, uh, um, Ethan Ethan something. He's been in a ton of stuff. You want to look that up? I'll just talk about it real quick. Um, but he, he ends up meeting up with Ethan her. Suppley. Ethan Suppley. But they, um, they meet up and they get on this train. And there's a bunch of, I would say that they're trying to be like Middle Eastern is what they're going for. Refugees that are on this train. And then they get stopped by the military in wherever country. I think it's Croatia. Um, Croatia, yeah. Uh, they get stuck in Croatia. And then what ends up happening is 
he says that they're all crisis actors and goes off on this huge spiel to the military guy and they kind of just blow him off and as soon as they run like turn away um the main guy turns to him and says i don't think that they believe you and then he just like freaks out about this um tries to get the other guy's attention and as soon as the guards turn around um he immediately starts speaking a foreign language yeah and then it, it causes him to become violent and he grabs a grenade and he flings this grenade at this guy who he's, you know, under the impression is a crisis actor. Oh, no, he doesn't has fling it. He shoves it down his... Oh, you're right, you're right, he does. And then, yeah. That's why this is one of my favorite kills, because he takes the grenade and shoves it down his pants to where he's, like, trying to fumble with it and then just blows up. Absolutely. And then the mili- the Croatian military takes um, takes him away. And they're interviewing him, and then all of a sudden he brings out the old dude from the beginning. I don't remember what his name is. I'm going to call him Bill. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to call him Bill. Brings out Bill. I think that's a fitting name for him. And they say they're going to call the UN and have the um, American embassy come and pick him up. So that's eventually what happens. And while they're driving, he asks some super weird questions um, and is like very fixated on... What did you do? And this tips off Snowball, our, our uh, final girl, if you will. Who does this. It, it's so funny watching it because she just awkwardly and very slowly like grabs the oh shit handle and then just lifts her legs up to her knees and turns and kicks him out of the vehicle. Almost doing like a military style leg tuck on the uh, on the mountain climbing drills. Mm-hmm. NPRT, which is like, which which comes into effect later because you realize that she is in the military, um, but she does this and then runs over this dude's fucking head. Yeah, and it was on. This is my favorite death. Like there are a lot of solid deaths. I really liked. Um, I really liked the gas station death of those mm-hmm. three people. I thought that was fun, but my by far absolute favorite death was dude getting his head ran over. I think I think um, what what happens after that is the what what's really funny to me is the dudes um, going off on her. Bill's going off on her, saying that she's like a psychopath, and then she pops the trunk, and Bill comes over there, and she goes, "That's Gary." Yep. And she tells she tells one of the most fucked up stories like I have ever heard. It's a it's a very it's a variation of the classic. Um of the classic the tortoise and the hare yeah exactly it's a it's a twisted variation of that which is real fun because uh the, the the whole i mean basically you know that she calls it the what is it the jackrabbit and the box turtle i think i don't think she said a box turtle i think she just says tortoise the tortoise she says something and basically what ends up happening is you know you know the story i'm not going to explain it to you but the part that she the, ends up making up is the jackrabbit busts into the tortoise's house while he's eating with his family and stabs everybody to death and then eats their um, supper because the jackrabbit always wins. Exactly. And then the best reaction is Bill goes, your mother told you this? Like, I would have died at that. Yeah, it was very funny. Um, after this, they find the pig and decide that they're going to take matters into their own hands. Yeah, they're going to get their revenge. So they find a map that says this is the drop-off point, which is this little bunker 
like in the middle of the open field where they first started where all the people are in there waiting to shoot them so snowball being a badass naturally right waits for glenn howarden which you might remember him from it's always sunny in philadelphia yeah plays dennis on it's always sunny right well also fun fact about that i know this is completely irrelevant um if you notice how everybody but him their character's name matches their actual name and it's always sunny um that's because he didn't want any association with dennis since he's like a you know psychopath basically (laughs) Like, that's the whole reason he doesn't call his character Dennis. That's funny. I had no idea. Yeah, he just didn't want any association with it. But he lures, uh, he goes out to piss, um, and then she slits his throat. And this starts another really cool series of deaths, which, um, if you want to talk about them. The main, I mean, basically, she just goes in there and obliterates everybody. Yep. Um, Pretty much, she sends the pig down as, or the pig is sent down as a distraction. And they shoot the pig, and then the girl who named the pig freaks out and starts crying. Um, and then all of a sudden you hear, um, hey, bitch, and you see Snowball with a gun, and she just starts going off on everybody. That's super well. Just uh, eliminates everybody. and Except for the, the colonel commander. Exactly. He's not actually that. He's actually served in, because um, she ends up beating the shit out of him. Yeah. And as he's sitting there with his nose bleeding, um, he's like, did you serve? And she says, yep, Afghanistan, you. And he says, National Guard, which I thought was funny. Oh, yeah, especially her reaction to it, because it's pretty similar to most active militaries reaction to National Guard or reserve people. Yeah, they're like, fuck them. Yeah, exactly. But then she blows his head off and Bill comes down and before like she's she's walking away um the girl who had the bow and arrow has uh like a gunshot and she says what's she like you poor bitch or something and that causes a snowball to go so she turns back around bill comes down he goes and she's like is there anything that you want to ask her yeah he kept her or she kept her alive so that he could ask his questions because he was mad about the uh the quote-unquote ambassador uh, getting ran over. Like, he made a huge deal about that. So then he says no, and she just, boom. Well, no, that's not exactly how that happens. So he's like, he asks her questions, and she doesn't give straight answers. And then Snowball's like, so now I'm going to kill her. And he's like, whoa, no, don't kill her. And she's like, why would I not kill her? And he was like, well, you can't just kill a woman. And then Snowball was like, do you think I should treat you differently just because you're a woman? And the lady's like, well, no. And immediately Snowball's like, cool. And then blows her head off. It was beautiful. Or I don't know if her head's blown off, but immediately kills her. Oh, yeah. She's immediately shot in the face. Yeah. It was beautiful. And then after that, you hear the radio come on, and it's Athena, who is Hillary Swank, saying, "Um, did you kill her, Bill? Did you get her? So now snowballs you know guns drawn on bill and there's this back and forth where he's basically saying no i'm not doing this um athena's saying that he is a part of it and then snowball eventually just says you know whatever and shoots him yeah and then um she says uh to athena he's dead and athena says we'll come and find me then so he she got the location of the house that she's staying in from the one dude from the military advisor that was still alive who was all like, like a stuntman in the movie. 
or something. I don't remember. Anyway, that happens, and then she goes, drops off all of her weapons, and enters this this manor. Which which is funny because she says, um, "Nice manner you got here," and she goes, "It's a house. It is a three bedroom house. It is not a manor." Like she's very adamant about it. Um, and then what ends up happening is you get an explanation for why all this is happening. Um, basically, they were texting at the beginning of the movie and made a joke. It was just a joke. It got leaked. Somebody's phone got hacked. Everything got leaked. And all these people's lives were basically over. They had to resign because of the joke. So they decided to take it a step further. And instead of making it a joke, made it reality. And then started um, getting people who had done something wrong, said something like the crisis actor dude. Um, And then the reason that she picked Snowball is because she says, like, uh, fuck this bitch, Athena, she kills people, blah, blah, blah. And that just, like, really resonates with her. So she makes her the Snowball and wants to kill her. And I'm going to say that the, um, like, one of the funniest parts is she goes, are we going to do this or am I going to have to listen to Beethoven again? (laughs) Well, so the reason that, that that specific line is funny is because it's apparent that that Athena thinks that Snowball is someone else. Right. And Snowball um, is like, oh, no, you got the wrong person. Like, There's another Mary Lou. It's, it's Crystal something, isn't Crystal it? Crystal May. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And... She's like, yo, no, there's another one in my area. I get her mail sometimes. You know, common mistake, but you got the wrong bitch is basically what she says. And that's her terminology. That's not me calling her a bitch, if anyone's wondering. But, but yeah, she's super, super adamant about, oh, no, you got the wrong person. And Athena's like, no, I didn't. And, you know, the fight plays out. It's a really awesome scene. It's one of the things that, makes me lean into more of this being an action comedy than a horror movie. I don't think it's a horror movie and I've never thought it was a horror movie. I think that it's like a thriller more than anything. Yeah, I could like see a, thriller or like satire, like comedy satire action movie. Right. No one one of the now this is honestly one of the best fight scenes ever. Dude, it's so awesome. And the funniest part is when she's pushing Athena through the glass. And she doesn't go through the glass the first time. So she does it a second time. Still doesn't go through. And then the third time, she just like, boom, shoves the whole thing through. And as they're laying there on their backs with glass surrounding them, she goes, give me a minute. I got to catch my breath. Yeah. And then they both like mutually agree to wait for a moment. Just so that way everything can happen. And then they get back up, start fighting, and Athena is almost pushed through a door again. And she, like, stops it and says, no more doors. Or no more glass. Or no more glass, yeah. No more glass. And then just opens the door. Yeah. And they continue fighting through there. So, see, I thought the funniest part was when Snowball was on the top of the stairs with Athena. And she, instead of, like, when she tries to get down, she jumps to the uh, chandelier. And and the chandelier immediately breaks, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you think that's a good idea? I thought that was funny. I thought that was funny, too. Um, I also thought it was funny where she goes, where she grabs the gun and starts shooting. She goes, you're fucking cheating, bitch. Yeah. Comedy gold. Like, that was great. 
but those are those are the deaths in the movie. There's a lot of things that we didn't really get into because obviously you've probably seen the movie. But my favorite death was the quote unquote ambassador getting his head smashed. I thought that was fun. I mean, I think my favorite death is grenade down the pants. Grenade down the pants is super solid as well. It's either that or Emma Watson or Emma Roberts, not Emma Watson. I get those two confused, which I shouldn't because Emma Watson's a lot better at acting. Uh, I mean, that's a matter of opinion. I liked uh, Emma Roberts and Scream Queens. That's a super solid series if you guys haven't seen it, by the way. It was okay. I never the, finished the, it. The first season was good. Yeah, the, I finished the after, first season. After the first season, it becomes less good. But the first season was super solid. It was okay. I mean, so obviously there's a lot of political satire. That's 100% what this movie is. But it appears to poke fun at both sides because it makes Republicans or quote-unquote right-wing people seem, you know, stupid and ignorant and, like, comes to conclusions and generally doesn't know what's going on. And it makes, you know, the elite or the far left in this case because they're meant to be viewed as left-wing. But it makes them appear to be, you know, sadistic and uncaring for human life. And it's just really funny. It's good political satire. And there's a lot of, like, political correctness that's in here. I mean, in the gas station scene, she calls, um, well, no, he calls uh, he calls black people black. And she goes, it's African-American. And then they get into this whole thing about how um, he's not, like, oppressing them and whatnot. And then she says, oh, really? And he goes, oh, I just did. I'm sorry. Um, what else is there? There's the crisis actors, which obviously everybody's a crisis actor. That's 100% true. Um, oh, one thing, the global warming is what's played on the TV in yeah, the gas station. With the polar bears. And they actually reset it when the sec or when the first group of people dies in there, it's reset, which I think was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, just snowball coming in. Exactly. Uh, what else was there? Oh, when they're going through and finding the people, they come across a black guy and they go, oh, no, absolutely not. That's racist. <laughs> yeah. Um, so can't. And then he goes and then the uh, the Middle Eastern guy goes, um, I am playing an Arab refugee. OK. And you're saying that's racist. And everybody goes, that was your idea. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah. There were uh, most of there for like political correctness. There's a lot of political correctness that was in here that they that they and it was only the left wing people yeah. that did it. And it was, it, I think that it was mostly in there for like additional satire and to show you who they're supposed to be representing. Well, yeah, because uh, Glenn Howard is in their meeting where they're picking out people. He's in a kimono, and the dude goes, "That's cultural appropriation." Exactly. It's super. It's very funny. It is. It's like what? But I don't know. I thought I thought it was good. I thought the um the political aspect of it wasn't like overbearing. I don't know. So that's that's one of the things I didn't like about it is it's too like I like satire of course, but the amount of satire in this just goes overboard for how for how, like, it's already the main focus of the movie, and it's just constantly hammered over and over again in pretty much every scene, which I thought it was a little overbearing, but that's just my perspective. But it was still a good movie. Don't don't misinterpret this for me shitting on it, because I thought it was great. 
and I, I think that it's I think it's a good movie. I think it's funny. I think that if you're a fan of satire, you'll probably like it. Exactly. If you're sick of like the whole American political system and you think that both sides are dumb, I think you'd enjoy it. Or, you know, if you are willing to ignore the part that's they're the parts that make fun of your side and just focus on that, I think you'd enjoy it. Which is what you should be doing in the first place. Like you can't make fun of something and then get offended when your stuff is being made fun of. You definitely can. You definitely cannot. You shouldn't. But you can definitely can. If I if I'm a right wing person and I think that libtards is funny and I get offended when you say something about, you know, gun toting idiot hillbilly. When you get called a maggot? Um yeah. <laughs> then I'm like, why should I get offended? Because I just said libtards. I just made fun of something. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that both sides are silly and everyone should work together, but we shouldn't really get into... Yeah, we're not getting into that. Yeah. That was a loaded question, Bailey. It was I didn't mean for it to be. So let me, uh, let me pull up the old laptop real quick. It's on the other side. Because we got some hard facts. Mm. I don't know why I said it like that. I'm going to say it correctly. Hard facts. Oh, yeah. So this movie actually had um, some very interesting hard facts. Um, the first one that I'm going to say is that this was actually scheduled to come out in 20, uh, 2020. No, it came or out in 2020. It, or it came out in 2020. It was supposed to come out in 2019, but because of uh, gun violence and stuff, and people were under the impression that this was like... I think that they thought this was real. Like this was like a real thing instead of like real satire. Mm-hmm. Um, then it got pushed back because of COVID. And ironically enough, the, the first hard fact is that this was actually only in theaters for two weeks before COVID shut it down. Really? Yeah, how they went it, on demand. How did it do in theaters? Uh, not very well because it was only in there for like two weeks. Um, and this was kind of at the start of COVID, so nobody really did yeah. anything. So I think COVID and gun violence really hurt this movie. Absolutely. Um, I know it was on the uh, homepage for HBO Max for a while. That's the first time I saw it. Oh, apparently Donald Trump criticized this film. Yeah, he was uh, one of the people in 2019 who caused it to not be out because he made statements against it because he thought it was real. From what I understand, I don't know that he, I can't say what he knew or didn't know, but that's what I heard or read. Uh, the original title for the script was Red State versus Blue State. Um, I think The Hunt's a better name. I do, too. Oh, so here's here's a super funny thing. Um, the Elite Hunters' reference to their quarry as deplorables is an allusion to the phrase basket of deplorables used by Hillary Clinton during the 2016 United States presidential election campaign to refer to supporters of then-president candidate Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, that's terminology that's been used by the by in certain individuals on the left to describe certain individuals on the right for since, like, 2016. Yeah. Right. Um, Hillary Swank was the last person to be announced that she was cast uh, for this movie, and ironically enough, uh, 63 minutes is how long it takes you to see her face. The first time that you see her face is in a flashback, which I thought was kind of funny. 
Yeah, no, during, like, the opening scene and stuff, like, you can see that she's texting, but, like, you don't have any, like, information in regards to who it is or anything, or who the actress is. If you know what she sounds like, you know who it is. Right. Um, but that's it. Let me see, what were the other really awesome artifacts? Obviously, it's based off of a book, or not really a book, it was a short story from 1924 called The Most Dangerous Game by Richard... Connell, Connell. Yeah, and I mean that's a pretty well-known story. Um, there have been a lots of allusions to it in media throughout the years, including episodes of like Family Guy and episodes of American Dad. Like episodes of everything. I mean, yeah. If well, you've never read it, go out and read it. Yeah, I mean there are movies about it as well. Like. I'm pretty sure the most dangerous game is also the title of a movie about the exact same thing. Yeah, probably based say, on the book. Yeah, I think they did that. Um, I mean, because man is the most dangerous game. It's a line from the book. I feel like they've just never played like Sekiro or anything. It has nothing to do with anything. Right, but that's a game, and it's you know very difficult, and danger and difficulty both start with D's, which means that they're the same thing, right? That's how that's how words work. <laughs> I'm not even gonna comment on that. Um, so apparently, when Ma asks, "Will there be sugar after the rebellion?" that is a direct quote by Molly the horse from Animal Farm. Hmm. Which there are a lot of those yeah i haven't read animal farm since high school so i got some of the references but a majority of them i probably didn't catch i got snowball and that was it yeah um oh apparently the pig in the movie was treated as an equal um on set having full access to all catered meals that's pretty cool so um the the shipwreck champagne that Heidsick actually yeah, exists. The 1907. Yeah, it actually exists. Yeah. Um, the name also works regarding the film's plot, Heidsick. Hmm. Um, so apparently, there was... Uh, Trump issued a tweet on August 9th, 2019, calling liberal Hollywood racist at the highest level because of this. Well, so, I mean... Probably that's that's for sure his like right to have that opinion, mm -hmm. but I still stand by the fact that this movie pokes fun at both sides. I do too. Um. Now, so so he added, they create their own violence and then try to blame others. He didn't specifically come out and say that it was about the hunt, but the timeline matches up to when the movie was being announced versus when he said these things. I mean, that's fair. So the evidence is there. Um, apparently, there was in addition there were two testings. The first testing for test audiences didn't really go well. The second testing, everybody said uh, that they weren't a fan of the political nature, and that was why they didn't like it. But it turns out that the um, creators of the movie would fire back that that never actually happened. That was not actually said. So that's kind of a controversy in itself. Hmm which I thought was interesting. Um, it holds an approval rating of like 52%. Um, the average on IMDb is like 5.5 .5 out of 10. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I can see, I I could realistically see a lot of people not liking this movie 
if they feel too strongly about politics because it does make fun of your side regardless of which side it is if you fall into any of the two major american groups right like it very openly makes fun of them so i could understand people not liking it because of that but also it's like it's all jokes man oh i'm sorry if you heard that because windows 11 is now downloading that sucks it does suck um so ironically enough I think that, oh, so the final fight between Crystal and Athena was described by screenwriters Nick Coos and Damon Lindolf simply as John Wick in a Nancy Myers movie. I don't know who Nancy Myers is, but I could see it definitely as like a hand-to-hand John Wick style combat. Oh, so we also learn uh, that Gary was selected for the hunt because of his controversial conspiracy podcast that propagated the fake Mannergate news, and Crystal was confused with a woman who verbally attacked Athena Stone for it on social media. The nine visible pictures on the wall of Athena's house give some clues as to why some of the others were targeted. Dead Sexy wears a gun slut shirt, and she and Target hold guns, so they are probably militant nationalists. Um, Vanilla Nice, that's his name, uh, picture is a mugshot. Big Red holds an anti-gay sign. Staten Island is presumably walking in a white supremacist rally. Yoga Pants presumably poses next to a um, conservative politician at the Capitol. And Big Game Shane hunts endangered rhinos. So that kind of that's why they were all selected. Makes sense. Um, let me see it. This film was um, partly inspired by The Most Dangerous Game, the 1924 short story by Richard Connell. Yeah, we said that, bud. Oh, hold on. Which was also turned into a film of the same name, The Most Dangerous Game, in 1932. Other films with similar premises include Turkey Shoot, 1982, Hard Target, 1993, Surviving the Game, 1994, The Pest, 1997, and The Eliminator, 2004. There are definitely more movies with similar premises. There are. Also, if you uh, wanted to know, the body count is 22 for this movie. Uh, 23 if you count Orwell the pig. Not Orville Redenbacher. I mean, or, or, I mean it's close. Let's see. Um, oh, um, I guess that's kind of it. Nothing else really stands out. There's some There's some interesting facts about it. But basically, you know. Uh, it was just average or mixed reviews is what most people say. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I thought it was solid. I think that if you like this movie, you would like pretty much most most like horror comedies. So I would say like if you like this, you'd probably like Ducker and Tail, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which is one of the best horror comedies. Absolutely. I would also say that you'd probably like Cooties, which has Elijah Wood and Allison Pill, and it's another horror comedy. Uh, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. Pretty much the whole Evil Dead series. Not the first one. Or it, the new one. In my opinion, uh, I don't know about the new one, but the first one, in my opinion, it was still comical. Like, yeah, it was supposed to be scary, but it's pretty funny. But it wasn't overtly comical like in Evil Dead 2 where they specifically made it Yes, I I do I will say that Evil Dead has more horror elements than this, but Evil Dead Two, yeah, Evil Dead Two was a great time. Oh yeah, well Evil Dead was a great time. Oh yeah, I'm a huge Evil Dead fan. But those are um, recommendations, and obviously, like 
1924's The Most Dangerous Game, or A Most Dangerous Game. The Most Dangerous the, Game. It's the, not a. Uh, no. Yeah, or the 1932 movie. I mean, basically, if you want to read, it's not a very hard read. It's it's a short, it's a short story. story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess that'll lead us into Taylor talk. Mm-hmm. What I, you got for us today? I honestly don't know. I mean, I um, I was kind of a so I I figured out that there are a very um like I don't know how to like put this politely. People that play Magic the Gathering show a lot of ass crack. I mean, from my understanding, they're like neck beards and stuff. I mean, there is so there are some genuinely nice people that I met, and there uh, were some people that were absolute assholes. Me saying neck beard isn't meant to be an insult on their personality. I mean, they can be nice. Well, so one guy I played. Um, I was just I was I was kind of a dickhead to him after this, but basically what had happened was I was just trying to be friendly before the game and ask him, you know, how's everything going? You you know, you doing good today? And he just got really short with me on stuff. He was like in the zone. He was a tryhard, is what we call him. And as we're playing, um, he has a combo deck that basically is going to take up a lot of time, and he has to, according to the rules, he has to go through the whole thing unless I tell him he doesn't have to. So I asked him, I'm like, you know, hey, I understand what you're doing. Can you just tell me how you win? Because you're already going to do it. I won't make you play the whole thing out. And he goes, I'm getting there. And I'm like, okay. So he gets like a third of the way through his deck, points at a card and says, this is how I win. And I go, oh, okay. Play the whole thing out for me. Wasted 10 minutes of him doing this thing. And I was like, dude, just don't be an asshole. Like, simple. Like, I don't know why people are assholes. And then I also got an Uber for the first time this weekend. How'd that go? Um, so it, it's it's weird getting in someone's car, you know, because it's like their personal vehicle. Yeah. Um, we had three. No, we didn't have three Uber drivers. We had we had like four Uber drivers, I think. Um, the first one was cool. The second one was okay. The third guy, um talked about so so the first guy was cool because he was actually from oklahoma um he said he lived uh in a, in a town by lawton so he knew exactly where we were from and we kind of connected with him he was a really really super nice guy i tipped him um the second guy that we got into the car with after we had ate um was not the biggest fan of talking he kind of just sat there and listened like i got a very extensive um lecture on pluto because that's what he was listening. He was watching a YouTube video and listening to it while driving us around about Pluto, the dwarf planet, and all of its noxious gas. So, not to not to start a debate or anything, but I'm pretty sure Pluto is not a planet. Yeah, that's why I said dwarf. Yeah, no, no, it's a, no. Hey, man, I'm just literally quoting the YouTube video this dude was watching. I don't give a shit either way. Mm, I'm just saying the Plutonian or Plutonians. I don't know Rick and Morty. Never mind. Disregard. Okay, we'll just disregard that. Yeah. Um, the third guy was a was a nice guy that we that we talked to. I, I liked him. And the fourth guy that we got, because uh, this guy was was taking us to. We stumbled into an arts festival on accident. Um, we just so happened to really want seafood, and the only place that was open late at night because this was like ten o'clock when we were doing this was a Cajun place called um, 
don't remember what it was called. But anyway, we, we go there, and it's right in the middle of this arts festival. So the, the Uber driver goes, well, I can't go down the street. It's blocked off. I'll have to let you out here. And we're like, okay, thanks, man. So we go down there, and they put us on a wait list. So we have like 20 minutes to just walk around. So we're walking around this music festival. It's like art everywhere. You can buy people's art. It was a really fun time listening to like blues music and shit. So I enjoyed it. Um, and then the guy that picked us up, we couldn't actually pick up at the drop-off spot. Or, I'm sorry, the pickup spot because it was closed. So we told him that we'd meet him, you know, in the road next to him. Which I didn't know this, but if you if you change the pickup location on Uber, the uh, Uber app will automatically lock the person out of their phone using the Uber app. And you have to give them a code to input so that way they can take you where, where you're supposed to go. I guess it's like a safety feature or something. Hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't know it either. But this guy was very, very angry. Like, he was the first guy that I saw that was driving in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that was actually angry about what he was doing. Um, there was this guy who had a... I don't even know how to describe it. His leg was, like, super swollen. And he was using a walker to get around. It looked like he needed to be amputated, we're being completely honest. Um, and he was walking in the cross rock, and he was just taking so long in this, like, just, like, one tiny little step at a time that I thought this dude was actually going to hit him. Really? Yeah, like, he he gets over, and this guy, like, swerves to go around him. And he's like, it's just my fucking luck. I'm like, dude, why are you so angry, bro? Yeah, you're literally getting paid to drive. It's cool. Chill, bro. Well, and the funniest thing is that in his uh, his Uber profile, you can see, like, why I chose to drive. And his, his literal reasoning for it is um, this was easier than stocking shelves. I'm like, yeah. But, like, he was just angry the whole time. It was, like, speeding and, you know, slammed on his brakes a couple times and then honked at this one dude to get over. Um, I ended up tipping him. I was like, you know, here's here's a $8. You know, have a better night. So he's like, "Oh, it's it's not it's not that bad of a night." Well, we were well, we were getting out of the hotel, but it's like, dude, you are fucking angry. He seems stressed, bud. Dude, he was super stressed. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think the important thing from this whole thing is that you need to take more vacations, like no matter where you go. Because even though I played in a thirty k modern tournament and lost on the very first day, um, I still had a lot of fun and I really enjoyed you know just going out to the the Dallas area. Um, yeah, take take more vacations. I feel that. My issue with taking vacations is just like I generally go places by myself and I don't I've never gone on like a extended vacation for more than like one or two days by myself and enjoyed myself. It's always been like I get bored after like two or three days because I run out of things that I specifically want to do. Which is why you need someone else. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go on a vacation, just let me know. We can go on a vacation. We can do a podcast from, like, you know, Seattle or something. That's not a problem. That'd be cool. We could do a car cast. Car cast. Car. Ooh, Ooh yeah. Welcome to Car Cast, the first podcast in a car. No, there are lots of podcasts in cars. Oh, okay. The best podcast in a car. Uh, there's an episode of uh, Ari Shafir's podcast. When it's him, Mark Norman, and, uh, oh, dude, I can't remember. Another really famous comedian are all in a car, and they're driving from Austin to Houston. And I think that's the best car car podcast. 
I don't think I can beat that if we're being completely honest. Because no. all, all they're very funny. Oh, it was Shane Gillis. It was Ari Shafir, Mark Norman, and Shane Gillis. I definitely can't beat that. It was it was a beautiful podcast. I don't think our car cast is going to be that good. No, no. Oh Jesus, that that's hard to beat. So what are you thinking about? Uh, what what do you think we should do next week? I mean, the, you you decide. I picked the hunt. So so what do you think. So this is an older movie, and. It's, you know, it's pretty popular, but I think that it's one of my favorites. I think we should do Friday the 13th Part 3, which I know you don't like Friday the 13th. I know you're you're opposed. It's not that I don't like Friday the 13th. I just don't like Friday the 13th Part 3. That one specifically? But it's got the cool arrow to the eye scene, bro. Yeah, there are some great kills, don't get me wrong, but that's all that we will like talk about are the kills. You know? That's all we talked about for the hunt, really, that and its political uh, well, cause chargedness. That's all there is for this movie. The, yeah. the plot's very basic, and I mean... Well, so for Friday the 13th Part 3, another thing that we could talk about beyond the kills is how they implemented 3D. Yeah, that's the literal reason why I do not like that movie. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, we no, can that's okay. We'll we'll do we'll do part three. We'll do Friday the Thirteenth part three, and I will go into detail as to why putting it in three D was the wrong approach. And don't worry, I will not watch it in three D, and I will call out every single time they did something in three D. I um I actually watched Friday the Thirteenth part three last night. Oh yeah, how was it? It was pretty good, but we'll get into that potentially next week. Okay, yeah, we can, so next week will be Friday the 13th, part three. Potentially. And if that works well, then we can do other ones uh, in the Friday the 13th. We'll just have like a Friday the 13th marathon. We could have a Friday the 13th podcast. Oh, yeah, hold on. Let me let me look that up real quick. I think there's like two this year or something. Two this year? <laughs> Dude, I think it's like every year. I don't know. Hold on. Oh, yeah. So what if we, what if we saved... Well, no, we we can do that. So, um, May thirteenth is the first Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, we should save this for that. You want to do that? Yeah. Okay. N- never mind. We'll we'll figure out what we're gonna do next week. We're saving we're saving Friday the thirteenth for May. Well, we we can do this one and then do like the original OG one. You don't think so? No, because we don't want to do two Friday th- or yeah, we don't want to do two Friday the thirteenth films that close together. Okay. So, if anybody actually cares. The, uh, you know, May 13th podcast will be Friday the 13th filmed on, or not filmed, recorded. We don't actually film ourselves because we're kind of ugly. I don't think anybody would want that. We're, we're trying to get fans here. I'm not ugly. I'm a, I'm a beautiful human being. I'm glad you see yourself that way, but that's not how the whole world sees you. Ugh, cold-blooded. It's not cold-blooded when it's true. It's a hard fact. <laughs> Just well, either. with that, this is Bailey. This is Taylor. And this has been Two Idiots, One Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye.